be here at the second service here at Valley. I'm Pastor David Schmaltz, a senior uh, pastor here, lead pastor. And uh, we're in a series right now called I Love My City. Perhaps you've heard it, heard of it already. We're just getting started. Last week, we launched this to prepare for what God wants for us, and that is for us to prosper. And I'm going to explain more about that as we get into the series. And, and of course, you know, with this, um, you know, start to launch this whole thing with the idea of where we want to go. So in other words, the moment we put it up there, it was interesting. I saw different people looking at it, and, and it's just kind of depending on where your heart is. Maybe you grew up here, you didn't grow up here. And, uh, and so I could just see in some people's eyes, it's like, you know, I'm not sure I even like my city, much less love it, you know? And some people just downright despise it. But that's why we're doing this. This is all about God changing hearts, preparing for what he wants us to do. And, you know, I've traveled around quite a bit. I grew up in Michigan, moved to Kentucky, lived there several years, lived in Alabama, moved to Iowa, lived there a few years, and then uh, here in North Carolina. And, and, and in my travels, I got to tell you, in each place, whether deep south or here where we are and over in the Midwest, you know, one of the things I have found is very, very common is that, that there's always a group of people who just are not satisfied where they are. You know, you could be in paradise, but it's not enough paradise. It could be that's where you grew up. And it's often, a lot of times, it just comes down to the heart. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about having the eyes for our community that God gives us. And so whether you're there or not there, you know, if you buy the T-shirt or get the hoodie and wear it, amen. But let me just tell you, that's not going to change your heart by just wearing the T-shirt, all right? So we got to get there so that when we do represent what God wants to do, it's coming out of the heart. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And that is, what is it going to take to change your heart to be people who really, really do love our city? And then opening up the door to what that means, because when we love our city, you're going to see that God wants to bless us and prosper us. Just like that verse that we started with there out of Jeremiah 21, that if we seek its peace, if we seek its prosperity, if we are blessing our city, that all comes back to us. It's to our advantage, both practically and spiritually. So we're going to talk about that today. So last week, we talked about our, where we are as a culture, and that is that men, for the most part, whether it be Christians or non-Christians, we, we've, we've been so quick to kind of abandon Christ, abandon the Savior, abandon the solution, and turn to men's ways, turn to men's thoughts, his broken ways that have been tried over, dead, over and over and over again, only to produce the same broken, dead results, the isms, the religions, you know, the new religions, whether they call it a religion or not, they're religion because they're first and foremost with passion and focus in people's lives. So what is it going to take? Well, what we know from scripture and what we read and what we launched last week is it's going to take a selfless service. It's going to take humility. It's going to take brokenness. It's going to take a genuine love that will make way for the message of Christ. It's going to make way for God's solution for the earth. God's solution to really change a people, to change a community. And so what are our heart, or what is our part to play in this? What is our part? You know, Paul had a wonderful uh, uh, discourse there from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, which is very, very practical. But right smack dab in the middle, he said, you know, so where are we with all these wonderful gifts, with all what God has given to us to prepare us to be the church, to, to allow us to communicate the love of God? He said, look, these three remain. He said, you know, it's not all about the gifts. It's not all about the charisma and the laying on of hands and all that. He says, you know, that can, without love, that's just clanging bells, it's cymbals, it's, it's, all, it's just noise. 
until he says, so what it really boils down to is three critical internal attributes that we need to have in order to not only walk and change individually, but to see change in our homes, change in our community, and of course, beyond. And Paul made it clear. He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And which one did he say was the greatest of all? Love, that's right. So we're going to look at all three of those today and how they apply to the preparation that we need to have in our heart. If we, today, if we take a step forward asking God to place those attributes in our heart, then we're going to see some awesome things, again, not only happen in our life, preparing us to prosper, but also to see that happening in our community. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let's look at faith today. Faith, I think most of us think we know what faith is, and and I think we do. I think we've done a great job in talking about faith. None of us are here today without faith. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it required faith. But here's the big key, that everything that you do as a believer, from then on out, because your life has changed, you belong to him, you're, you're now caught up in the whirlwind of that which is God and what he's doing in the earth, it requires faith in order to interact there. Everything we do with God is faith. It's going to be faith-related because we can't see him. We we can't always touch him in the sense of, of, of our physical senses. We believe in the presence of God. We sang about the presence of God today. We invite the presence of God. We even believe that it's here. But you know what? To experience that in a way, a tangible, life-changing way, we have to believe. So what is the scope of faith? Faith is believing. Faith is the language of the Spirit. Faith takes place in the spirit. It's what takes us as spiritual beings into that realm and be able to function there, to live our lives there. You will not live your life there without faith. You just won't. And we'll see that, illustrate that a little bit today. So again, the scope. And when is faith to be used? Now. Faith is a right now attribute we have to have. Faith is a constant, it's what keeps us connected to God every single day. When we open our eyes and we know that his mercies are new every morning, now. That as I take out steps every single day and as I interact at work or as I face the different challenges or the different things that come my way, faith, now. And so we need to grow in that faith. And that again is just believing, believing God. It's a spiritual act. It's trusting that God will do what he promised he's going to do in my life right now. Not just for anybody else's story, not just the the idea, the concept of faith. No, it is something that I experience day to day in my life. The church, folks, advances in faith as well. It advances through signs and wonders. Now, you study the scripture. Go ahead. Study the gospels. Study the the book of Acts, and you study what the early church did, and you will find that what God did in order to pave the way for community change, it always came with signs and wonders. In other words, people were believing God for him to come down and to do what he always did. So we kind of think in terms of of Jesus, you know, coming to the earth and him ministering, and then, you know... What, he says, look, I, I'm, I'm here to change. I'm here to be the son of God. I'm here to teach you about faith. So just let me just talk about faith. So he'd walk in and out of communities, and he would do this or did, do that. We need to find out what it is that he actually did so that we can follow him. It requires faith. Now, I want to tell you a story about two or a tale of two cities, two cities in Scripture that are dramatically compared and contrasted by the Gospels. The first one is a town called Nazareth. Perhaps you've heard of it. 
It's where Jesus was born, right? Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that's not where he was born. He was born in Bethlehem. But where he grew up was in Nazareth. And so in that community, he grew up. He was a little boy there. He, he ran among the people. So Jesus shows up to Nazareth, and he reads. It's the place where he reads and says, look, today, this prophesy in Isaiah concerning who I am is fulfilled in your hearing today. Now, but remember who he's, he's telling this to, his neighbors, the people he grew up with, the people who saw him running as little Jesus up and down the streets, the Jesus who they'd call and say, hey, look, can you build a table for me? Hey, can you fix that, that little roof deal? Carpenter Jesus and his, and his uh, surrogate daddy, his earthly daddy, Joseph. So they knew him. So when he speaks, they're all just looking at each other. Wait a minute, this is Jesus. He's saying he's the Messiah? Um, we're, we can't deal with that. We can't believe it. And so Jesus begins his ministry right there. We've talked about that a little bit. He begins his ministry. He begins ministry. And what he says there is actually amazes Jesus. So a matter of fact, when you look throughout the scripture and you say, and, and look for all those instances where Jesus was amazed, you're going to find most of those be at positive experiences. But here's one of those negative, one, negative ones where he's amazed at what? The unbelief. And we look at that and we know that to be familiarity, that familiarity can breed contempt. So it wasn't just them not believing in Jesus, but now he became contemptible to them because he's like, what, you're saying you're the son of God? You're saying you're the Messiah? No. And so he could do no miracles there. Now you say, wow. But he could have forced himself, couldn't he? Sure he could have. He could have walked up and said, look, I'm going to heal you. No, we don't want to be healed. Be healed. You're healed, whether you like it or not. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, what we find is that Jesus reacts to, responds to the faith of the people. So in other words, no healings, no deliverances, no impact took place without the people believing it. We shouldn't miss that point. We should not miss it. So Nazareth, as a result, does not experience a supernatural touch from God because it's too familiar to them. Now, is that something that we as Christians can experience? Well, not in the same way that they did, but Max Lucado has an interesting quote here, and I'll, I'll, I'll capitalize and talk about this a little bit. So, but here's the question. Can we as Christians make mundane that which is tremendously supernatural and life-changing? Can we do that? Listen to Max Lucado. To a lesser extent, that can even happen after faith in Christ, what happened in Nazareth. The pearl of great price, Jesus himself, can lose his luster. We can lose our taste for the goodness of God. We can lose our first love. The things of God can become hundrum. We no longer shiver at the thought of hell and no longer smile at the thought of heaven. We no longer fawn at the thought of Christ. We have sadly and scarily begun to neglect and take for granted so great a salvation and savior. We can and we do. The church can, you know, it's, you only can go to so many Christmases and Easter's and, 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 and hear about Jesus, you know, Jesus, King Jesus, Savior Jesus, so many times before we begin to kind of be desensitized to it. And we begin to live kind of a, a, a life, a dichotomy of, of one life of just living life my way. And then yet there is a spiritual disconnect and, and, and we let it devolve into just a religious experience and not all one. And it begins with the fact that we begin to see Jesus purely as a story, purely as someone we know about, and not the one that is my life. Not the one who 
I talk to every day, the one who is interested in every bit of my life, my thoughts, my directions, my, my decisions, every bit. See, that is what Lord and Savior is. But again, we, it, it, it is an interesting thing that we even, even as Christians, we can, can get to that point where we just kind of push Christianity off to just a concept and not a life. An organization and not an organism. To be the church is so far beyond, I think, what most Christians are embracing in our times, and it shows in our culture. It shows. So we got to get past that. we got to move forward. And how we are going to embrace it? Faith. Rekindling our faith. Restoring our faith and our love for our Savior and his interaction with my life every single moment. He's not just a Savior for heaven. He's a Savior for every day. And that's the concept of faith right now. That's the, 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 the scope of it. Now, let's look at the other city in contrast to the one of Nazareth, Nazareth. Matthew chapter 14. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. I'll call your attention to that little word right there, all. All. Because Jesus crossed over the, the, the lake. He went to the other side of the tracks. He went to a totally different place. He went someplace where they had heard the reputation of Jesus and their hearts had been growing in expectation. And so when he shows up, it must have been throngs, literally thousands of people that they could not get to him. So we're talking doctors and lawyers. We're talking people of real renown and, and the mayor of the city. They can't get to him. And yet they have so much faith that all they can do is just reach out and just, just, just touch Jesus as he's walking through the crowd. They had such faith that they knew and believed that that's all they had to do. Healed instantly. Healed of what? Every known disease. Cancers. Neurological disorders. Fevers. They didn't even really know how to categorize them then. They just had certain names to describe. Sometimes they had to bring him in on, on platforms and, and uh, gurneys and things like that. They, they didn't, these people were, uh, and, and demons, demons were cast out of them from little children to adults. And so you compare that to Nazareth where not much spiritual activity took place and you compare it to Gennesaret and see a lot, everything took place. All heaven broke loose. What was the difference? Faith. They believed. And belief was the expectation. It was the invitation. And it was the breakout of what God was going to do. So if we apply this to our city, where would we be? Where would we be, really? Would we be, would be, be the ones to say, well, you know, come on, everybody, just take it easy. I mean, Jesus is cool and all that. But, I mean, we, we don't rock the boat here. You know, we kind of like what we got. And, but or would we be the ones that would come out in throngs and throw ourselves in his path, hoping that just maybe, just maybe, even the, the cast of his shadow would hit upon us and we'd be delivered, set free. What is the difference? Faith, belief. So let me ask a question. Why do people doubt? Why do we doubt? Well, I see it as three basic things, and we, you, could, you, you, know, you could argue for more, but the, these three categories is what I see the most. Is number one, fear of being let down. Now, I'm talking about Christians here. 
That, you know, because of the mundaneness of Christianity, because we've been a part of it, we've been to prayer meetings, we've read the books on prayer, we've done this, we've done that, we've done that churchianity thing, and after a while, you're just kind of like, well, I just, mm, I don't know. Kind of fall into that, well, God helps those who help themselves, which is not in the Bible, by the way. And, and so we don't, we don't risk it. We don't risk the belief because we feel like we might get set up. And so we fear, and because that's really the heart of it, Let's just be honest, because we might try to make ourselves look strong, try to make us look confident, but really down in, in its deepest, deepest part is this, I just fear I'm going to be let down. The child inside of us really rises up, but again, a child is known by his actions. That's what Proverbs tells us. In other words, if you're acting childish, kind of are childish. So fear, being let down, and then the second one is pride. Pride, and that is, I just don't want the help. I don't need the help. I'm good. I got my isms. You know, they told me in, in college that this is the way it was. I got my, his, I got my history down. I, I kind of know, I, I, you know, I've bitten into all of these different things that man has got it figured out, and they're continuing to build their ziggurat, their tower of Babel of man's ways and ideas, and, and I'm good. I don't need all that religion. I don't need that, I don't need that Jesus. And so pride then says, I, I got this. And I see that a lot creeping into the church as well, a self-confidence. And as a result, again, it creates unbelief. And so, well, why aren't there more miracles happening among Christians? We don't want it. We just simply don't feel like we need it. I'd rather turn to this. I'd rather turn to the ways of man than the ways of God. You know, it'd be like all those people in the city to say, thanks, Jesus, but we're waiting, you know, for the medical crew to come. Not not dissing on medicine at all, not at all. But I mean, even doctors will tell us there are many things that happen purely in the realm of the supernatural, outside the scope of, of uh, prognosis. Absolutely. And then finally, why do people doubt? Thirdly, ignorance. And this is the one I can actually get excited about. You say, what? Yeah, I can. You know why? Because I can fix that. You don't know that you can experience faith and greater experiences in God? Well, let's fix that today. You can. You know, I don't know how many times as a pastor over many years of doing this, how people have come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor David? I never knew that. I didn't know the Bible said that. I didn't know I could believe that way. I didn't know I could walk in that because I was never taught that. And, and, and even, if I, even if I was, I mean, in some cases, people just growing up in the church all their life and say, I never knew what the Bible said that. I'm like, you're kidding. There it is. Red letter edition. It's right there. Why don't we believe? And and it's, well, there's many reasons for that. But, you know, ultimately, it's just not knowing. And knowledge is absolutely incredible. It's the first step in moving in faith is to know, right? We've got to know what we can believe. You have to take the, so, you know, whether it be raising your children or walking in faith with your finances or experiencing breakthroughs in your marriage or or how you can share your faith. It's just all of those huge aspects of life that that just not, you know, obviously my heart is for teaching. You know that about me. That's that's really why I'm a teacher more than I am anything. And I feel like that, that that is what is really needed in this community is more truth, more teaching. But... Not just truth, because we got to have all three, and we're getting there. So we got to have faith in God. We got to absolutely have that, but we got to know what we can believe. We got to know the scope of where this faith goes, 
And we can know for certain if we read in Scripture. Now, finally, faith in what? Faith in him. So in this statement right here, I am nothing without Christ. You know, we sang that in that last song. You know, I am a child of God. Do you really believe that? Now, I'm not, not trying to make you uncomfortable or anything, but, I mean, it's a song, but do you really believe it? Now, remember, belief and action are really critical. What you believe is how you really live. I mean, don't tell me what you believe. Show me how you live, and then that tells me how you believe. And so we got to get there, church. We got to get there to believe God for more. We got to leave, when we leave this world, a lot on the table that we wish we could have done, wish we could have experienced, but man, doggone it, all along the way, we were pushing the envelope of asking, believing, pushing, pressing to ask God to do amazing things. Are we really praying for our city? And are we really praying that God would help me love my city? Well, it comes and starts with him. God does not change. I mean, we can't change a human heart. We can't, but God can. Most certainly can. Secondly, we have to have hope. Faith in God. Hope. What is the the scope for hope? The scope for hope is this. It's expectation. Expectation when? Tomorrow. Faith is for now. Hope is for tomorrow. Because you know what? We walk through this life and we get, we experience the miracles and we start doing that. But here's where we really live. See, faith dwells in the spirit. It is a language of the spirit. You don't do anything spiritual without faith. But hope is a a language of the soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions. This is where we live. Your emotions. And you can't ignore those. Because I mean, you can push everything to faith and you ignore really where our, what our feelings are, where we are. And that's where we get tripped up a lot. And Jesus spoke to that. He says, you know, you guys worry about tomorrow so much. You worry about what you're going to wear. You worry about where you're going to eat. You worry about what you're going to do. He said, look, don't worry about tomorrow. God's got it. He says, look at the birds of the field. Look, look at the flowers. He says, does God not care for them? And they're, they're cared for in the field. He, what he's saying is, look, my father did all that. He's gonna, how much more will my God take care of you? And that is not just ideological. It's not, it wasn't just one mass metaphor of Jesus trying to embarrass him. No, he, he meant what he was saying, is that God cares about our tomorrows. And that's where we can live. So faith then begins to spread out, and it gives birth to hope. And hope is, again, where we live, on the inside. Here's the deal. Hope affects our emotions. It really does. So you get a lot of people that have no hope, you get a very, very crummy group. Not very happy group. You get a bunch of curmudgeons together. Man, that's not a, that's not a nice party, right? I don't like that. I don't like that. I need to stop doing that. That is an emotional response to what's going on in the inside. And that is infectious. You know, one negative, it takes 10 affirmations to undo the power of one negative statement. Now, that's for parents when you talk about your children. But how much more so in a community when everybody's walking around saying, I hate this city. This city sucks. This, 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 this. And it just keeps coming out. The cursing that comes out of our mouth over our city as a result of a hopeless situation. And really, really, let's push it back to where it is, your life individually. 
You can't give life to community if you got no life in you. And so we got to start with that. Faith, hope, and love needs to be inside us. Then it begins to spring out into city. Look, we, look I, am, I am not fooling myself to think that just getting a bunch of T-shirts is going to change the city. Right? It just won't. What we need to do is have transformed people who, when they say, I love my city, we understand exactly what it means. And again, we're going to teach you that. We're going to get you there, how to change. But first, we have to start with faith in God, and then we have to start having hope. We've got to start pressing that out. So what is hope? It's expectation, right, is invitation. What I expect God to do is inviting God to do it. Now, look at that from both perspectives. If you're expecting God to leave you shoeless, if you expect God to leave you high and dry, if you expect God to be punishing you all the time, well, doggone it, that's what you're going to get. And it's not God doing it, by the way. It's the enemy going, well, they kind of like me around here. They want me to do business, want me to set up shop. Okay, well, here I come. Let me bring chaos and disaster, broken homes, drug, drugs. I mean, let's just let's bring, it, let's bring the whole package. Because this community doesn't believe. This community has no hope. And that's exactly how it happens. That's how it happens. Now, I know and studied the history of this region back to its earliest days. I do know. You know, we've done that. We did that back in the early days of Manuel and right when we became Valley. And, you know, you guys know, Debbie and Steve, those of you know that we prayed. We've, we've prayer walked. We've done, we've done our intercessory research. So we got this river that comes down right through the middle of it. It's called the Roanoke River, which means river of death. Well, that's interesting. You know, that every time we speak it, we're speaking it. So there's some of that stuff we gotta, we gotta change. We gotta pray over. We've gotta, you know, somebody, matter of fact, after the service is over, Vic, was it you, Vic, that came up and said, man, we ought to change that river. Change that name. River of life. Oh, well, that'd be nice. Anybody want to start that movement? Have at it. You know, good luck, you know. But anyway, well, I shouldn't say that. I should have said, may God be with you. Amen. All right, fix that. All right, so hope. Hope affects our emotions and then, here, watch this, your speech and your demeanor. Your speech, come on now, tells you what's going on. It lets everybody know what's going on on the inside, doesn't it? It does. And if we're always negative, always tearing down, always trying to stir up the, the mess, always trying to, always going back to what is not and not what could be, look, then it's an indication of what's going on on the inside. And we got to stop that. We got to stop it. Because nothing will change in that atmosphere. It just won't. And so we've got to start letting out the sails of hope in these days. We've got to get past that. And so, you know, we, everybody can continue to talk about what is broken. Now, I, can I just speak to that for a minute? I guess I'm going to start preaching here. And that is, we have got to stop talking about the past. I mean, in my marriage, you want to shut down everything that goes on? Is that I remind everything about Andrea about the past, and she reminds me of everything I've done in the past. Hey, look, let's just spend the next two hours talking about all the stupid things you've done. I love you. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. We see that in a micro sub, but let's take it to a community. Let's take it to a nation. If we all just keep stirring up the mess, do we think, are we foolish enough to believe that we're going to get past it? Heck no. You're not. Because that's what stirs up bitterness, is keeping the wound real. Isn't that why Jesus came? So that we will then eventually do something that's maybe a little novel called forgiveness? 
Can we just not move on and start building upon what was, is good? Or do we want to stay in this vengeance business? Do we want to continue to tear down? Do we want to do that? Because look, you continue to do that, then all hell is going to break loose. And nobody wins. Nobody. You ever heard of the Hatfields and the McCoys? Yeah. Generations of hatred. Because it never ends. No one has a righteous high ground. I don't care who you are. You do not have it. Whether you're white, black, green, or yellow, what part of the country you're from, where you've been born, what your class is, how much money you got, you do not have a moral high ground. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, you were born broken. You were born in sin. You need a savior. I don't care what you got, what you believe. I don't care what's in this, this noggin. You got a big head, little head. I don't care. Don't care. You need a savior. You'll use your intelligence to destroy people. You'll use your strength to tear people down. You'll use whatever God put in you without a savior to hurt people. That's the brokenness of it. And sometimes we get really, really doggone good at it. Professionally even. We got to stop the madness. We cannot love a city. We cannot love a nation. We cannot move forward until we begin to hope. And we put our hope in Christ alone. Period. Period. Christian, if you don't believe that, get saved. Uh, that was a little facetious, but we know what I'm saying. It's a joke. But it means you need, it needs, it means you need more truth. It means, it means you need to read your Bible more. Hope in what? In God's desire to move, affecting our future. Change. We believe that about individuals. Why don't we believe that about a community? Man, that brother, he just needs some hope. So we have our meetings. So we have our soup kitchens. We have our Monday night uh, uh, meetings. We have, we have small groups. We, we, we have our acts of random kindness. We do these things to help communicate hope in simple, loving ways. We believe that. But why can't we believe that for a community? Why can't we let the sheets out a little bit farther? We can The entrenching of hopelessness can destroy a people and a place. That's biblical. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Now, ladies, this is not a, an indictment against women. This is just the way a book of Proverbs is written. Woman is wise and a woman is a foolish. It, it's the example that goes, compares and contrasts throughout the whole book. So here's your homework. If you want to know how that happens... Read the rest of Proverbs chapter 14. Matter of fact, memorize it. Because if you want to know how to love your city, and you want to grow in hope, and you want to avoid the pitfalls of not only what creates chaos, now I'm not just talking about in a community, but in your life. Read Proverbs 14 and put it to memory. There you go. Fill your tool, your soul toolbox with truth. You want to make a difference? You can it's going to require some truth, and it's going to require hope growing in your heart to believe that what God said can happen tomorrow and in our future. You know, I didn't say this in the other future or the other, the other uh, sermon, but since we're on Facebook, I'm going to say this here. You know, when I was in Fayetteville, I lived there for 22 years. Now, anybody knows anything about Fayetteville? When I showed up in 1982, it was considered called, it was called Vietnam, and it was a very dirty kind of nasty place. A lot of prostitution, a lot of bad things were happening. Drugs, just bad, bad. 
And so, but yet I was, I was going to Bible college there. I was training to be a minister there at, in, at Manor Church in Fayetteville. And I was into, our training program was involved in the local church uh, at every aspect. So I was learning, I was being mentored. It was, it was a wonderful uh, situation. And one of the classes I was in, it was, I think it was the history of revival movements. It was the class. And so we learned, we lectured, and then the last 30 to 45 minutes we would take to pray. We, and guess what we prayed about? Our city. And we would pray. And that's where I was taught to pray. Jim LaFoon was there and some other pastors would come in and we would take new ground and we would pray and we would prophesy over Fayetteville. We would claim God to come and break down that, that spirit that resided over the community. And you know what was amazing? You're not going to believe me, but I'm telling you, I mean, you know, if I'm telling a lie, God help me, right? But there I prayed, prayed for several years and then I watched it happen. I watched Hay Street get cleaned out. Now you can go down there and they've got coffee shops and the homes and all around there in that situation. Now, some of it shifted to Bragg Boulevard, but okay, we've got a new target. But man, we started to see the city changing from going from Vietnam to having its own identity. And now some of the largest churches, you know, in that part of the state, fastest growing churches in the state. Matter of fact, some of the fastest growing churches in the United States are here in North Carolina, but specifically in that area. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And I got to say, not with pride, I was a part of that. I was a part of that. Because you don't change the identity of a city by continuing to tear it down. It just won't happen. Somebody's got to rise up in hope. Somebody's got to speak it. Now, we're going to talk about So That leads me right up to you know, the next several parts of this series. So you need to hang around because we're going to talk about that. Now, let's finish. So I wrap this up today. Let's talk about love. And what is love's scope? It's always. Faith is for now. Hope is for tomorrow. Love, always. Every moment, it's breathing in and out. Gotta have it. Love is incredible. It is, it is what needs to be at the very center. It's what, if we have any lesson, if there's any attribute, if there's any character quality that needs to grow in us and Christians, every single day, it's love. Right there. And so it is shown, now, and I also write here, Investment. Because I believe the more we grow in love, it's an investment. Love is action. There is the key. Everybody says, I love you, but will you show it? We say we can love our community. I love my city, but are we willing to show our city that we love them? To reach for them, to serve them. Now, we're doing many things to show that here at Valley. I'm very, very grateful for those who, who rise up and are leading these endeavors. But we need to do more, and we need to get more of us involved. Because it's in the doing that also the heart changes too. Isn't that interesting? As I prayed over the city, God changed my heart. We'll come back to that. But in showing love, it has to begin in the heart, guys. And then it begins to flow through our hands. That's exactly where it needs to go. If we really want to love our city, then we need to invest in our city. And it begins with the investment of love. You know, I could say several things here, you know. Going away, doing different things, you know, that people invest. And I might be talking about money too, but I think we should pour into our community in every way possible to show that we love it, that we believe in it, that we have hope for it. We'll talk more about that later. But it's shown through action. So Jesus there in Matthew chapter 14, he's been doing things, you know. So Jesus comes, and this is the kind of Messiah he could have been, just walking around, just grandstanding. I am the son of God, worship me, bow down. But he didn't. He humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2. 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a humble servant and went out and just loved people, just loved them, healed them. He could not let a person who was suffering walk out of his life to see, to see them diseased. I mean, what would God do? God would say, well, I'm going to heal that. I'm going to do what I can to take care of that. So there they are in ministry all day, and then he's got thousands of people there, and, the, and, and we know the story, and in two occasions where they they're all were there, and Jesus, he's, and they're all going, look, send them back now, Lord, at least they can get home by midnight or three o'clock in the morning, let's get them out of here. And Jesus said, no, 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 you feed them. You feed them. And, and he's pushing them. He's pushing into the realm of not just talking about love, but really getting to the practical aspect of love. And so if we're going to love our city, then it needs to be tangible, right? It doesn't just need to be word only. And again, we're going to talk more about that. But folks, love is something that will have action eventually. Now, where do we get that? Well, in John chapter 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Stop. How did he show his love? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. He let him be tortured. He let him be killed by the ones he created to be a sacrifice for us. So he laid it out. Did God invest in the world? Oh, he did. He gave his only son. So can I ask a question that you don't have to answer? It's rhetorical. You just need to think on it. As a Christian, where have you made sacrifice? Where have you sacrificed to the point of tears? Where have you sacrificed in your life where you said, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I trust God. Where have you gotten to the edge of a decision in your life to say, I'm going, don't know where it's going to lead me, but this is what God wants me to do. This is seeking first the kingdom of God and the rest of these things I'm leaving to him. Ask yourself that question. And be honest with yourself. Loving our city is an investment into our own life for two reasons. One, it prospers, you prosper. That's Jeremiah 29. As we invest and love our city, it's to our benefit. When it is prospers, we will prosper. If we want to continue creating an, a war zone of hate, well, then guess what? That's what you get to wake up to every day. Or will we be a part of change? We'll be a part of real hope and change. Over and over, I see in the Gospels, Jesus saying, you do it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt. You are anointed. You are empowered. You are filled with faith. You are positioned to act. You go into all the nations. So love eventually has to come down to what are you going to do about it? You know, a church can't be in a community and not love it. We just can't. When we, become to, when, we, when we become the us for and no more, when we be, create this conclave or on, rather enclave of just believers who are just holding out until the end, that is so not biblical. That is so not the words of Jesus. Now, to be the church and moving forward, which is, is, our, is our word, to move forward, we need to embrace this city at a level. I, you know, again, I'm not comparing this to anyone else, but, but on a biblical level, on a biblical scale, and we all need to do it together. And we will. So once again, folks, I see a balance. You know, I, I, I live in that place. I believe in balance. 
A balance is needed in order for us to efficiently com complete the mission of Christ has given us. And that's growing in greater faith. All right? Grow in faith. Ask God to increase your faith. But it's amazing. When they prayed that, Jesus said, look, all you need is a mustard seed. And if we're not seeing the kind of signs and wonders and miracles, gosh, we don't even have the mustard seed. Lord, help us. And we need to grow in a greater sense of hope. We need to live there so that we have joy. We need to open the door of our soul to joy and peace and love and communicate that and stop being curmudgeons, curmudgeonly Christian. You can quote me on that. Hashtag it or something. I don't know. Can't, we got to stop that mess. So I Love My City is all about getting our heart right so that our hands will build up our homes and not tear them down. I Love My City is about getting our heart right so that our hands will build. Uh, I Love My City is about unity gathered around the biblical concept of love. I Love My City is about embracing the providential plan of God in our lives first. This is our home. We're going to make it a happier place a place where people can prosper. I love my city is about loving people and showing love to all period, uh, people, period. I love my city is about living Christ in and through our lives in order to affect change through salt and life living. So folks, I'm going to give you, we're talking concept here, but we're talking what needs to be on the inside. So we need to pray that. God, make me a man and a woman of faith. Make me a person that is hoping for the future. Let me look to you to see the hope of this community so that I can really, really love it. Don't we want to hang out where God is? And don't we want to be a part of what God is doing? Well, first, you've got to believe and ask him to do it. And then finally, folks, just growing in love. It's going to make us happier people. It's going to make us better lovers of ourselves, lovers of others. Starts on the inside, then it begins to pour out. Now, I'm not going to wait around for that to happen. You've got the truth. Pray over it. We're moving on to talk about, okay, let's weapon up. How can we affect change? How can we use our faith to really start praying over this community in an effective way? How can we serve this community in an effective way that we will begin to see change? We'll learn about it. Amen. Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us, or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our app.